As a performer, your body is there. Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat, Sexuality, Work, Extraction, Art, Theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is broadly defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform tasks, acts of care, and identities? Anchored in our always already racialized and sexualized bodies, our complex intersectionalities, these conversations are a means of relating through work to each other. I hope they contribute to dialogues which normalize sex work as work and all work as deserving of respect, healthy conditions, and a living wage. Done the work, so you, you actually know that I deserve to be here, but I wish that it would change from I need to prove myself for you to think I should be here. Whether I've proven myself or not, whether I've done it for 10 years, or even if I've done it for a day, if that's what I want to do and I'm here, then I'm here for it. Today's episode is with the masked DJ, TMSK DJ, an electronic and African dance music DJ and producer based in Accra, Ghana. TMSK DJ is one of the few disc jockeys in Ghana breaking the status quo of disc jockeying with a versatile skill set of introducing and fusing alternative sounds to the Accra music scene, often electronic and African dance genres, in her live performances. Remember how even DJs used to tell me that the kind of music you play in Accra, we don't think it will work in Accra. You should go to Berlin, you should go to Europe, you should go to South Africa. But 10 years later, these same DJs are like, yo, like, okay, you were onto something. If you've been following the show since the beginning, you know that it started in Kumasi, Ghana, with a series of questions around art, performance, race, sex, and labor. I used those interviews as the source of a 35-minute soundscape, and I was able to ask some Ghanaian producers to remix the soundscape into some dance tracks. And that's how I first got to meet TMSK DJ. So I think it's really fitting that she closes out the second year of Sweat in this final December interview. And I'm really pleased to have her on the show. Oh, I'm doing great. Um, I just came back from my boxing class, but I'm home, I'm home, I'm home. And what kind of projects have you been up to lately? Uh, so I do this pop-up DJ school, DJ Academy, with uh, Where Are The Women. I also um, run a girls' branch company with two other friends. So that's what, and then I was like recent, I mean, just Saturday I celebrated my 10-year anniversary as a DJ. So it's like that's what I've been working on for the past few months. And we had an amazing party last Saturday to celebrate it. Wow, that's awesome. So you're doing this girls' academy, you just said? How does that function? Like, how often do you meet and how do you do the workshops? So Where Are The Women is like a non-for-profit women uh, organization. So they collaborate with me and then Pioneer DJ and then we offer DJ classes to young women who want to take up DJing and production. That's wonderful. And what kind of uh, equipment do you use when you're teaching folks to DJ? So because it's a Pioneer DJ-sponsored thing, they sent us um, the DJ FLX. So we have that. That's what we teach the, the, the students with. So we use that in a record box. How long have you been doing that? We started last year. Yeah, started last year. 
So we, we do it in such a way where maybe we run a six-week course, so twice a year. That's great. About how many um, young women have you had in the program? Uh, I think for the last one, we had about six of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, six of them. What kind of environment do you feel that women are facing in terms of getting into DJing? Why do you feel like a program specifically for young women is so important? That's even a personal thing for me because I, I, when I started DJing, there weren't a lot of women DJs in a car. It was just about two or three women to look up to. So I want to create the the community or create an atmosphere whereby young women who want to DJ know uh, um, that there are a lot of people, a lot of women they can look up to. Because when you're doing something that you are clueless about, the more people you learn from, the easier it is. So I want to kind of create that uh, platform for them because I didn't have it then. Yeah. You So you said you started DJing 10 years ago. How did you feel confident enough to go into it without having those people to show you the way, having older women showing you the way? Maybe about three years into it. You started gaining confidence, you mean? Yeah, to be able to do stuff on my own without, like, I, I just could like, come into my own, find my own gigs, how to go about my own gigs, negotiate my gigs, how to get a recurring get um, clients and all. I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a DJ. I mean, I like music and all, but I never for once thought I was going to be a DJ as a career path. But I did it for a while, and then I realized that, okay, cool. It's like I'm putting so much energy, so much time and money into this. So it's not something that I'm doing for fun, but it's something that I, I have to build upon and keep building upon to make a name for myself in, in the city that I'm in. So I just decided to put everything that I have into the art of DJing. I started learning more. I started meeting people, asking questions if I didn't understand, basically researching. And yeah, I just applied my basic <laughs> survival knowledge to it. And I, I, I gradually started to make something out of it. Because when I started DJing, I was in uni. So it was more of playing for the hall parties, the birthday parties around campus. But even that, like I said, I was doing it like, okay, I just have time on my hands so I, I can do this alongside whatever it is that I was studying in uni. And this was my second year. By my fourth year, I felt like whatever it is I was studying in uni didn't matter to me as much as the DJing did. It's, it's sort of a passion that crept up on me. I didn't even know I loved it that much until I started doing it. Mm. So then I decided to put all my energy into that. So after uni, I didn't even, like, I didn't uh, go out looking for a job to work or anything. I just started DJing straight from uni and DJed out of uni. And that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years. What were you studying at uni? Sociology. So even that wasn't what I wanted to study. Initially, I applied for business administration. I've always been like a business person. But with the way our schooling system was set up, you can't, like, there's always a cutoff point. So not everyone can go into that class. And I didn't want to stay at home just waiting until I could get into the business class. So I was like, the second option they gave me was sociology. And I'm like, cool, I'll just do the sociology. And even when I was in the sociology, I did, I started doing a part-time course in an accounting school. But when I did the first uh, course for that, that was when, like, I, I I realized I didn't even have the mind anymore to study. Like, I, did, I was focused more on the DJing, so I didn't go back to Ray as well. When do you feel like you first became a working person? 
Oh, no, I was a student before I became a DJ. So let's say when I was like 20, I started DJing at 20. And that was your first job? Yeah, that, yeah, that was my first job. So like the first time you ever got paid proper was when you were DJing? Yeah, I'm a full-time DJ. That's amazing. I feel like that's a dream for a lot of people. Does that mean you've never had any other jobs in your life? No, I haven't. Every other job I've had in my life has to do with like, it's, it's an extension of the DJing. So then there's a bit of music production. There is touring my own events, uh, helping with the pop-up school. But everything I have done now, it's an extension of the DJ. But I haven't worked anywhere else, no. So one thing I'm wondering about is when you started out, did you feel like there was sexism in the DJ world? Or what sort of environment did you encounter? Yeah, I think so. Just that, I mean, they didn't say it, but like... When you look at how some of the guys behave when you have a gig, you can they make you feel like you don't belong there. It's a man's world, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Does that still continue on or do you feel like that's starting to change a bit? I can't. I, 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 for myself, I don't know. I think maybe it's because I've been able to make something for myself out of DJing and the community here. So I've kind of passed the, the stage where maybe a guy or someone else is going to make me feel like I don't belong there because wherever I find myself, I have worked for it and I have worked towards it. So you can't, it's it's like, you can't ignore the work I have done. You can't, you can't make me feel some type of way about it. But I can't, I can't say same for other women DJs. I can't speak for them on that. Mm-hmm. But even still, I don't think I get it as much as when I started DJing in the beginning because like I said, I've done the work. So you, you actually know that I deserve to be here. But I wish that it would change from I need to prove myself for you to think I should be here. Whether I've proven myself or not, whether I've done it for 10 years, or even if I've done it for a day, if that's what I want to do and I'm here, then I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. When you just had your 10th anniversary, did you feel like you were supported as well? Like not just by other female musicians and DJs, but also a lot of guys showing up. How was that for you? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I was like. Even I was watching the videos from Saturday and I realized that all through my set, most of my male DJ colleagues were with me on the stage, just like hyping me up, encouraging me, congratulating me. So, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they, they did support me. They did in different ways, actually. They, they did support me. That's so wonderful. So I'm, uh, I'm curious, of course, I'm sure you've been asked many times before, why do you like to DJ in these amazing masks that you have? I'm noticing you have one on right now, which looks, I can't see it so well, but it looks pretty colorful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my studio light is really dim. So. so with the mask, so it comes back to your second question, because I've been DJing for 10 years, but I've been wearing the mask for seven years. Mm. So I was like, you know, you've been in Ghana before, and you know how Ghana is heavy on Afrobeat, hip life, high life, dancehall, and every other thing, except electronic dance or African dance music. So when I when I started DJing, I personally loved dance music. I was listening to a lot of dance music from South Africa and Europe. And I realized that if I wanted to go to a place where I could just listen to something like this, it was difficult. Like, there weren't, so, there weren't places that were playing that kind of music. So I said, look, I think I, these are the types of music that I want to play in a car. And in making that decision as well, when I started DJing, I was very, very shy and introverted. So I wanted to create like a safe space for me. And even one of the reasons why I decided to create a safe space, like we were saying, someone like a guy made me feel uncomfortable on a set once. 
and I wanted to create like my own world where uh, any other thing or any other person doesn't matter. It's just me and then the music that I'm playing out. So I had this plain white mask and I decided to wear it. And even though the feedback was weird in the beginning, it was really, really weird. But gradually I kept doing it, I kept doing it. And then I had a friend who just randomly designed the first one. So then it became a thing. And then I started collecting, collecting. So whenever I get a plain one, so now I've gotten to a point where even artists text me and say, look, I want to design your mask. Like this particular one I'm wearing, it's a three-piece. So I've got three from one particular artist. She's called a female painter. She just texted me and said, look, I want to put one of my murals on your mask. And I said, instead of doing one, I'll send you three pieces and then you do it. And then she did three amazing pieces. So I, I used the first one for uh, Fusion in Germany in July. Wow. And then there's this one. And then the third one, which I had never worn before, I used it for the anniversary party on, on Saturday. And even just yesterday, someone texted to ask if they could like do a new set for me. So it's it's become something where, it, even though I wanted to hide with the mask, it's become one of the things that draws people close to me. And I like the fact that I can carry uh, different artists with me because whatever stage I'm on, this is literally the female painter. So you get people asking, oh, who did this? Who did this? And then you get to show them their work. Yes, yeah, so that's basically how the mask started and it has come to stay. They're so beautiful. Do you know what's being depicted on this mask that you're wearing now? In fact, now that you've asked me, I think I'll ask her so that she gives me the inspiration behind each mask because I don't know where her head was at when she was doing them, but she's the best person to explain what they mean. One thing I noticed that when you wear the mask, your gender is a bit unclear from your photos. Is that also part of the idea? No, no, no. That wasn't the reason. But now it's become one of it because I get people texting me, hey, bro, hey, dude. And I'm like, I'm a woman. <laughs> I always have to tell them I'm a woman. But yeah, it comes, it comes with it, I guess. Is that something that you like to kind of perpetuate, like that people aren't quite sure? Nah, I think it's, it's really it's really cut out, like it's clear. Is your gender important when you're DJing or is it rather that you'd like people to not think about that so much? No, 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 it isn't. It isn't. So it isn't at all because, like I said, one of the main things about the mask for me was to just play the music, like just focus on the music, not even me, like it's just about the music. I wanted them to enjoy the art of DJing. So I, I'm not I'm not really bothered now that people assume that okay, it's either a man or a woman. I I don't I don't pay attention to that. I see. And what about your sexuality? Has your sexuality ever come into you as a DJ? So if there's one thing that I don't do, especially because of where I find myself, I don't I don't bring my uh, I don't put sexuality in my work in the same, I don't know how to say, but yeah, I don't, I don't bring it together. I don't bring it together because I'm in a very, <laughs> Ghana is a very like, I don't know the word to use, but a conservative country. So yeah. What's happening right now in Ghana in terms of how sexuality is regulated? I, I, I try to stay out of it, but it's also, it's also some way because you, you can't stay out of things that involves you. Like, but basically right now I know like there is a group of people, there are a group of people that are trying to like pass a bill in parliament to criminalize, uh, what's, what's the exact word they used? Uh, uh, I, I'll have to check it out. But yeah, there's someone pushing for a bill in parliament right now. Mm-hmm. Against the minority. Right, right. And are there people actively working against this? 
hmm, everyone is trying to lend their voice, trying to do what they have to do, but Ghana's a very conservative country, and once you throw religion into the mix, people get confused and they think what they believe in supersedes what every other person believes in. So then they want to impose their beliefs and views on every other person. So that's the challenge. Everyone who is trying to go against that is facing because majority of the country thinks, oh, okay, we are Christians and we don't want to offend God. And they have all these weird, weird ideologies. So I don't know, something that the majority supports, like there's a lot of hate, a lot of hate actually. And it's like this particular bill, has brought about, like, it's given people, like, audacity. It's given people the nerve to do the absolute most. Like, for example, I know there was a lawyer who wasn't called to the bar, even though she had passed all her exams. But they didn't call her to the bar because someone reported to the uh, the, the governing body of the law, of the lawyers, and reported that she, she, she claims she's LGBTQI. And because of that, she couldn't. She wasn't called to the bar, and it was such a huge case on Ghanaian uh, media and radio as well. Because you, you don't. What, what I do personally shouldn't interfere with what I'm doing. Like I've gone to school, I've paid my fees, I've passed my exams. You can't tell me because of what I identify as. Uh, you will not call me to the bar. So yeah, people are working aggressively to make sure this bill is passed. But also, on the other end, people are also working and hoping it will not be passed. So it's like everyone is, is in the middle. Like, there's a, poss- there's a high possibility of it being passed, and there's also a high possibility of it not being passed. Everyone is just stuck in a limbo right now. Mm. Do you know when this might be sorted out? No, because I know to get a bill to, uh, to pass into a law, it has to go through different, different stages. So I know they are at a particular stage, but like, they keep advancing closer. That's a hard place to be in. Yeah. Do you feel like the the space of DJing and making music is um, a safe space in general to express your opinions? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I always say, like, sometimes the best way to actually, like, put out how you feel is through your art. So any community that has, like, diverse artists or artists involved is easier to deal with certain societal issues using your art. So, yeah, I think the music and production community is, like, it's, 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 a, safe, it's a safe space, especially in the alternative side. That's great. And this is a, a question around, like, your body when you're DJing. Does your body ever get tired, like, doing this as a physical activity of being on your feet or staying up late at night? How do you actually feel physically when you're... DJing? I think getting that balance, it took a lot of years. Let me say, like, maybe nine years, because <laughs> then there was, like, constant back pain, <laughs> your sleep schedule is, is all over the place. And you are, you. I mean, if you don't sleep well, then you can't eat well, and you can't be fit as well. So, um, last year, in October, I, I I did a boiler room set in September. And when I saw the videos, I was really hyped that day because I'd always wanted to do a boiler room. So I was super excited. And I think that excitement could show in how I was DJing. And after I watched that video, I was like, okay, look, you need to put like more energy into your sets because even just this little energy you've done, it looks good, it feels good. So you need to put in more energy. So Ballerum was in September. In October, I signed up for a cross-training and boxing class. And then I started like paying attention to what I eat, how I eat, what time I sleep. 
uh, cut out alcohol. Uh, yeah, and then I was just training, training, training twice a day. So I think that has helped because now I realize that how I even move during my sets is different from way before when I wasn't exercising or I wasn't taking my health and fitness journey serious. But now that I'm doing all those things, like, it's fun. It's, 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 I don't know, it gives me something to look up to. Like, like I said, this morning, I, I just came back from my boxing class and I feel pumped. I feel, I feel energized. Whereas at first I'm like, okay, like, what's up? What's, what's next for the day? So, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never done boxing, but I can kind of see this kind of motion somehow being connected to also DJing. I mean, I guess it reminds me more of like when you have record players, but still this kind of motion, twisting, like having the energy from it. You said you're training twice a day? Yeah. So I do uh, either boxing or cross training in the morning. And then in the evening, I do weightlifting. Wow. And what about in those contexts as a, as a woman? Are you also welcome in those contexts or is it also unusual? Oh, that's, that, I think that's fine. For when it comes to um, working out, no one has made me feel any type of way about it yet. Yet. Yeah. I think both spaces I go to for training are very safe when it comes to women. What do you think about it makes you feel safe? Uh, okay. So the whole customer experience, especially like the one I, where I do the boxing and the cross training, that's like, it's a, it's a wellness center as well. So it's like they take your whole well-being mentally, emotional, into consideration when you are working out with them. And for, I mean, being there for a year, how they respond to me or how they relate to me actually is what makes me go back every morning. How they take care of me mentally, emotionally, and my physical well-being is one of the main reasons why like, I, I get the motivation to get up and still go. Because this is not the first time I've tried uh, tried a fitness journey, but this is the longest I have I have done it. Like I know I did it. The longest I've done it till now was three months, but I've been able to do a year. And I think when the place I go to, they are very, very, like, focused on not just your physical, but, like, they need you to be in the right frame of mind. And it, I like it. Like, I really like it for me as a person, both in my personal life and my, my DJing life as well. Have you personally made this link between your physical and mental health your whole life? Is this something that you grew up with? Or not necessarily. Your- it was just, like, in my older years, and then I started realizing that the more uh, physical I am, the more like free my mind was. But it was just a once in a while type of thing. Maybe a month you just do one swim and you, you go for swimming once or you play basketball with your friends once. And it was just a random thing. But when I started like doing it actively, I always tell my friends that I feel like I'm in a better headspace than I was like a year ago. You grew up in Ghana, right? You grew up yeah. in Accra or is that where you were? Yeah, in Accra. I don't know how it is in, in Ghana, like how apparent the differences in terms of class are. I'm, I'm a little curious. Do, how does your, you know, your socioeconomic class influence where you've had access or the kind of choices you've made in life? I don't know anything about what your class background is, but I'm just curious if you have thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I can't really speak on that because being a DJ in this city has given me like certain access that I wouldn't have gotten if I wasn't a DJ. So 
I can't really speak on how my socioeconomic uh, background would, would, would work in this case, but I know that being a DJ, being a creative has put me in certain spaces that my socioeconomic uh, situation will not have uh, put me in. But also, Ghana is a country whereby access is really reserved for the rich and powerful. So you just have them, and then you have <clears throat> people who are considered to have made something for themselves in the area of uh, arts, sports, and uh, media. Yeah. But generally, if you are not from like a certain background or a certain level, there are some things you probably will not even hear of. There are some places you will never even enter. Because you've not even heard about it. Like, it's not it's not your type of thing. What is your background like? How did you grow up, if you are willing to share that with me, like, in terms of your class? I think I, think I grew up from, like, a middle-class family. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a businessman. So he, um, he and his friend, like, they sell uh, drugs, medicine, um, clinic supplies and drugs to hospitals and clinics in Accra. Yeah, but I think it was pretty okay. We were, we were four, four, four kids. I'm the second out of four girls. And yeah, so it's been okay. It's been okay. Do you, uh, was listening to music something that you did since you were a kid? Was that a lot? Yes, part yes, of your life? a lot, actually, a lot. Now that I'm not surprised I grew up to be a DJ, I really, really liked music when I was growing up. Was it something that your parents uh, influenced you or like who were your main influences in getting you into music? How did you find your way there? Uh, hmm, I can't even tell. But yeah, I think generally my household liked music. Yeah, I remember my mom and her siblings used to sing a lot at night. Like they just had their own sibling choir <laughs> that they used to sing once in a yeah. while at night. Yeah, my, my grandpa too had like a record player. That he used to bring out like every Sunday to play music. And then my dad was like a huge reggae head. And he had like uh, yeah. this bag full of reggae cassettes. But I'm not really like a reggae kind of person. But like I remember he playing a lot. I guess when I started growing up, I just realized I was really interested in pop culture. So it's like I was really like looking out for, okay, what's the like latest news in town? What's the latest track in town? Like what are people listening to? And I think I just started following that, started following some nice radio shows. So I'll just put in my cassette and record whatever the DJ is playing. Then I can listen to it later, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, right on. So you would you, you would actually record from the radio onto tape cassette? Yeah, so that I can listen to it again. Oh, that's great. I used to do that too as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So how come you got into electronic music? I can't even remember how and why I love electronic music so much. I can't even like remember what exactly that made me love it i don't i've been trying to figure it out lately but i can't just seem to remember what the shift was i just know i love electronic music who are some of your favorite artists do you have some favorite electronic tracks yeah like there's one that i played from this south african guy called osama it's my favorite like dance track in the world Mm -hmm. like it's my favorite but aside that, yeah, there are so many people. I like Black Coffee. I like Shimza. There are so many people I actually like and look up to when it comes to electronic music. How do you feel electronic music is viewed in a crowd? Are people open to it or is it still unusual? Now it's not because I've been doing it for 10 years. So they've come to a place where they actually, we're actually like getting a community for it. 
But in the beginning, it looked unusual. I remember how even DJs used to tell me that the kind of music you play in Accra, like, I, I, we don't think it will work in Accra. You should go to Berlin. You should go to Europe. You should go to South Africa because we don't think it will work in Accra. But 10 years later, these same DJs are like, yo, like, okay, you were onto something or you are onto something. So it's like I've created an electronic dance music community and now there are so many DJs, so many collectors, so many sound systems that indulge in electronic and African dance music. Yeah. How do you think that electronic music and specifically like the Ghanaian musical traditions have um, mixed together? Like what makes it specific, like a specific blend? How would you describe that? So uh, most of our Afrobeat songs, or let's say highlight songs, we are also like fast-paced, very uh, kick, drum, high, low, drop kind of thing. But I think even myself, I didn't even make that connection. It took me a while, like last year, before I realized that, no, we have some songs that are actually like African, like Afrobeat songs, but they are actually electronic music, like inspired or vice versa. So even now, what I do mostly is I try to infuse uh, like dance music from Ghana into my sets as well, because I realize that some songs that have similarities or actually are like influenced by electronic music. It seems like you've been coming to Europe now quite a bit more. What? Um, how does that feel for you to be DJing in Europe? Ah, it's amazing. It's like, it's amazing. It's not something that's uh, far-fetched from what I've, I've been doing in a car. Probably if I, if I wasn't doing electronic music, then the scene will look different, looking at some of the places I went to. But because I've been doing it for a while, like I've been doing it for a while now, it looked like it looked like I was home, basically. Like it didn't, the difference wasn't much, because the songs I'm playing here are, are songs that I can play there. I don't need to like make a whole playlist change just because there's a difference in the in my geographic location. So you can bring some of the like, your Ghanaian dance songs inside of your sets you play in Europe, and yes. like some of the songs maybe that you're influenced by being in Europe back to Ghana. Yes, that's what I've been doing since I came to Ghana, actually. How do you feel as a Black African DJ in Europe? How do you feel like you're treated? What have you noticed in a more white context? Uh, I don't... I don't. That's why I was saying that I think sometimes because of my experience and how far I've been able to come, being who I am gives me like certain access because... I, when I came to Germany, I, I like all the DJs I met or all the DJs I spoke to were really like hospitable. They were really like they were open to communicate, to network, to connect. I didn't find it as difficult like I thought it was going to be like. And now I've made like I've got yeah. friends. I can say I have friends what in Germany you... now. Like I've got DJ friends. I noticed that you played at Fusion, right? This yeah. Was it this past year? Yeah, in July. How was that? What was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Even though I was super tired because I came straight from the airport and that was my first time in Europe as well. So it's like straight from the airport, drove like about two hours out. And right immediately I got there, like five minutes later, it was my set time. So I was a fusion straight from the airport. No sleep, no rest. I was so tired. But yeah, it was worth it. I enjoyed the experience. The crowd was amazing. And funny enough, I met someone in Ghana last week who saw my set at Fusion. So she came to Ghana and she brought her friends to my event. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So you put out a track in 2022. Do you want to tell me about your production and how? uh, what are you using to produce music? 
Yeah, okay, so uh, uh, that song is called Laddy Daddy, and it was by, uh, I did it with one of my uh, artist friends called Setrewa. We just wanted to create like a feel good kind of summer pop kind of song because I'm still learning production. I don't consider myself a producer yet because I'm still in my learning phase. So I spoke to her and I was like, look, do you want us to do this together? And she said, yeah, I sent her the beat and then she came back with that one and we worked on it together and then we got that song. And do you feel like it's important for you to support other women producers? Has that been a part of your work? Yes, 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 yes. That's like one of my main things now. So basically, I just want to support women DJs women uh, musicians and women producers. I'd love to know what is your goals coming up soon? Like, or what kind of new plans do you have in the mix right now? Okay, so um, I'm still, like I said, I'm still learning production. So I'm, I'm t- I take classes with this guy who's also a producer. So that's majorly our focus for now. And then secondly, the anniversary event, so we called it a masquerade. So what I'm trying to work on now is to make like a masquerade, like sort of like a global party, starting with West Africa and then Europe, hopefully early next year. So I want to like take the party around different cities and collaborate with all the DJs that I have met in different, different cities around the world. Cool. So it would be a party series called Masquerade? Yes. Would you invite other peop- other um, DJs to also wear masks like yourself? We, when we did this one, yeah, we were selling masks at the gate. It's not it's not this type of masks, though, but like, yeah, because we want everyone who was coming in to be masked. So that's what we are going to do for, 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 for the subsequent ones. How about your pay? And like, do you feel as a DJ like you are able to get paid well enough do you feel ever kind of exploited through your work in accra a lot of people like to make you do things all in the name of exposure but that wasn't like the earlier parts of my career yeah because yeah, right now if you call me and you tell me i should come a dj for exposure there's no way i'm gonna come but there are also people that i do gigs for where i don't even give them a fee like i don't tell them how much to pay me because they are basically family like it's a hand-go-hand-come sort of situation. So they offer me what they want, and if it's fair, I do it. But then there are some people to all groups that it's not like it's non-negotiable. You have to pay me my rate or I'm not doing the gig at all. So, yeah, when you start out, you'll be exploited. You'll be underpaid. But now I have, like, the, the experience to back what, whatever it is I'm charging you. So you can either decide to pay or not pay. And I can also decide to show up or not show up. Yeah, but generally, if generally, I think Ghanaians can pay DJs a bit better. Like, we need to move away from the fact that they think you are just as your hobby, so it doesn't need to pay you that much. People still have that notion, and that's wrong. But I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. You just heard from producer DJ and organizer TMSK DJ. The Mask DJ, an electronic and African dance music DJ based in Accra, Ghana. She's one of the few disc jockeys in Ghana fusing Ghanaian music and electronic beats in her live performances. Collaborating with Where Are the Women, she runs a DJ academy for young women producers and DJs, and she's always wearing a mask. You can read more about her and her work in the show notes. I'm Mad Kate, and you've been listening to Sweat, a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body in work. 
The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. Sweat airs every second Tuesday of the month at 13 hours Central European time on Collabor Radio, Free Radio's Berlin Brandenburg. Broadcasting on 88.4 FM in Berlin, 90.7 FM in Potsdam, and streaming online at fr-bb.org. Afterwards, it's available for streaming wherever you get your podcasts. It's been such an honor to be doing this podcast and radio show for Collaboradio for the last two years. And as we close out the final show of 2023 and enter a new season, I want to mention that next season I'm hoping to focus on labor organizing and unions and about new visions of thinking about work, care, and money. I also want to mention that this year has been particularly challenging seeing the violence in Gaza and violences around the world in a particularly intense and, let's say, televised way as we watch them play out on our social media and screens. It's been difficult to carry out so-called life as usual, to continue to be artists, when the structures which make our art possible are also always connected to structures of violence. I'm hoping that as we go forth, we can make choices in our work and our, in our art that help to create conditions in which nonviolent choices can be made, in which we support nation states and structures to make nonviolent choices, and in which we can begin to dismantle some of these larger structures of violence that prevent us from the care we'd ultimately like to see in the world.